different from the wall. And how would you know how to call that function? You know what passes uh, So if you're using a uh, library, right, let's say a standard C++ libraries, or even some other third-party library, uh, more, more than likely you'll have access to the .h file, which includes a class declaration. And you can see in that, in that um, .h file that the function is declared as a friend. Yeah, right. So there will be a friend indicator here. Then you know how to call it. Good question. Okay, so let's do it for the insertion operator. Right? Is that what we're going to do next? Yes. All right. Okay, so let's define the insertion operator. For fractions, so the search operator is going to work for fractions and output streams. So specifically, the definition of the insertion operator is going to insert the given fraction into the given output stream. Now, unfortunately, the only output stream we really looked at is CAP, but you can have other output streams. You can have output streams to files. You can have output streams to HTTP streams. Um, you can have output streams to a network socket. All sorts of different things. So streams in general are very flexible in C++. So really there is a class called OStream. And Cout is an instance or an object of that class, OStream. OStream stands for output stream. And you'll see that in the definition here. So, what will the name of the function be? So it has to have a special name. Any guesses? It's on the board. Cout? Nope. Cout is an object of the OStream class. We may use Cout as a parameter, as an argument, rather, to this function. But what should, what should be the, the name of the function? Yes? Insertion? Right, yeah. Two lesson signs? Yeah. So the name of the function is going to be operator insertion. That's the way you read it. All right, just like any other um, def function definition, it's going to have um, a bunch of parameters. In fact, it's going to have two parameters in this case. And by the way, this will be in... So you can sort of pretend this is in the fraction.cc file. And you can imagine that the corresponding declaration for this function is going to look a little like this, with the friend um, keyword followed by the, the function declaration. So the function, the first line of the function definition is also called the function header line. And it looks a lot like a declaration. All right, so we're going to have two different parameters. And like I said, the first parameter is going to be an object of the OStream class, and it has to be a reference of that OStream class. So the type is called OStream. Cout is an object of type OStream. 
So if you look um, on our system, where all the standard libraries are called, are actually located, there is something like an ostream.h file. And in that ostream.h file will be um, the class declaration for the ostream class. Coincidentally, when you pound include iostream, the iostream.h file has a declaration for C out. And it, it would just look like you expected. Ostream, C out, and then initializes something, perhaps using a constructor. So we're going to pass, in a way, C out, for example, to this function. So we need its type, and it's going to be a reference, um, because you don't want to copy the monitor. Right? There's only one monitor. You want a reference to it. You don't want to send it to some other monitor. So we're only dealing with one monitor in this case. And we'll give it a name. We'll call it OS. And like I said, CAP is an object of OStream. There could be other objects of OStream as well. Right? So just like we can have more than one fraction, we can have one more, than, uh, more than one output stream. So we want to talk about this very generally. Okay, and the next parameter is going to be the fraction. Let's call it f. And that could be by a constant reference if you like, I think. I don't know if that works that way. I probably could. We'll just keep it normal length now. So it's important that this is a reference. OK, the return type, and notice there's no class scope, right, because it is a friend function. It's going to look a little funny, but it's going to return an OStream reference, which is basically the same thing as, per, as its first parameter type. Why is that? Why do I return an OStream reference here? Well, besides the fact that C++ specifications demands it. <laughs> so it won't work unless you, do, you have this exact header file, uh, header line rather, except that these names can be different. So the parameter names can be different. But everything else needs to be stay, stay the same. So why would I need to return an object of type OStream? Any guesses? Why would that be required? So how would you use this? Well, how do you use it right now? How do you use the insertion operator? And just unfortunately, I erased it just a moment ago. But I had a line up there that looked a little like this. What is that called? Where I have multiple insertion operators. I remember the name of that, the formal name. Yeah, operator chaining. And the way operator chaining works, this is way from back like week one in the course, is that the first operation is performed. You remember this from a while ago, and this, hopefully I can remember as well. So Every statement in C++ is evaluated from left to right, except for assignment statements. <coughs> and that includes the insertion operator statement here, right? Or the insertion statement. So we insert the string literal, the result is, into the C out string. And in that case, the string literal, the result is, is presented on the screen, right? On the monitor. 
Well, what about this stuff? Where does this stuff go? This also goes to the screen, right? So this goes first, and then the value of C, which was an integer in my previous example, and then followed by an line signal. This all that goes to standard output, right, which is represented by C out. So what happens here is that the substitution or the evaluation of this insertion operation is what, particularly? What is the evaluation of that statement? What does that statement evaluate to? C out. C out, yeah. So the next thing that gets, gets done is that you insert the value of the variable C into the standard output stream, right? That evaluation evaluates to C out as well. And lastly, this gets processed. And that's why you can write the same thing like this. Right? You can make it three different statements. <coughs> right? Statement one, statement two, statement three. In effect, it's the same thing, right? Just a little more writing. So when the program runs, it, this is really what's happening. So in this case, uh, <coughs> What we're using here is the return value of this operation, which happens to be the output stream that was used on the left-hand side of the operator. And that is exactly why we return a O stream reference, an O stream reference, as a return value to this function. So you can use operator chain. Right? So let's see about how we do this. I think I started this last time as well. Okay, so we already have a print function. Oh, by the way, is there any questions on why we return an stream reference? Is it pretty clear? Yeah? Good. Okay, so we already have a print function for fractions, right? So here's a fraction you want to print. So can I do this? Will that be okay? Any comments? Any thoughts? Any feelings? You, know, you already know it's not okay, right? Because I'm asking whether or not it'll be okay. So why wouldn't this be okay? Is, is the question I should be asking. Why is it not okay to do that? Actually, it is okay in some instances, believe it or not. But So the print member function, right, when selected from a fraction object, prints the fractions to the screen, right, to see out. Numerator over denominator. What situation would this not be correct? Are we always going to receive C out here as an argument? Could there be other objects of type O stream other than C out? Yes. Right. You can have one to a file, for example. It's, in fact, it's not hard to do that if you want to write out to a file. Um, if we have time, maybe I'll show you guys how to do that. It's not hard at all. So if I sent in another object, O stream, right, to another stream that I want to output the fraction to, this would send it out to standard output. So actually, let me show you really quick how I can do that. So I'll make a, um, an object to, uh, rather, a stream to a file. And I believe they cover this in CSE 202 if you guys think that. Can we are sticking 202 as a prerequisite? 
201. The other one is the EN167, right? You guys taking that? Yeah. I'm not sure if they go over data streams today, do they? Yeah. File streams? So it turns out in C++ it's very similar to using uh, C and CF for talking about files. So I'll do this really quickly just to show some motivation. So there's a library called fstream, which you pound and clue. F stands for file. And you can make an object called an OS stream. And we can name it like app. And you give it a file name. Maybe it's a text file. And the way it works here is that there's something called a class hierarchy. It's like the father class, or like the topmost class of the hierarchy, is called iOS, input output stream. And from there, we have an iStream class and an OStream class. They're both IO streams. And then the OStream the the class um, has another class that derives from it called OFStream. I believe this is how it works. And this one has an IFStream as well. And finally, these all go with something called IOStream, which we're all familiar with. So it's a weird looking hierarchy, and the reason for that is that there's multiple inheritances in C++. Um, so an OF stream actually is an O stream. That's the way you, you read this. So it's an isR relationship. An IF stream, oh, stand, is also an isR relationship. Oh, yeah. So what this means is that if you declare a parameter whose type is O stream, right, output stream, you can receive an argument of type OF stream. That's okay, because an OF stream is a O stream. It's sort of like cat, lion, uh, house cat, tiger. Like, a lion is a cat, a tiger is a cat, a house cat is a cat, right? A domestic cat. And then out of house cat, you have uh, short hair, correct? And long hair. Hair cat, etc. So those arrows are all represent is a relationship. So a short hair cat is a house cat, a, a house cat is a cat. Likewise, an OF stream, an output file stream, is a O stream. So what I can do here in my, let's say, main program, my main function, it's is I can make an object instance of, of OF stream, 
right, called F out, for example, and I can connect it to a file on my hard drive as such, and I can do things like this. So instead of C out, I say F out, insert, um, five, and L. So that would print, or that would place, rather, um, the numeral five in a, in a text file called myfile.txt. Last thing you can do here is just say close. Just close it for saving. So fout.close. And that's really the only difference between using cout and writing to a file. You just connect it to a file name, and then when you're done with it, you just close it. That's the essential difference. Now there's some error checking you should do here as well. But this just shows you that there are other objects that you can use the insertion operator on. So here I'm using the insertion operator on. On the left-hand side I have an OF stream. And on the right-hand side I have five. Look good? And then just for kick, just for kicks, I'll, I'll write this. So by the way, there is a declaration, like I said, in IO Street, uh, which see how it comes from. So this one prints to the file, this one prints to the screen. All right, so all of that being said, this would be wrong because why? Because it doesn't work in all cases. What case is not working? You guys should know the answer now, right? Yes? Yeah, right. Exactly. Thank you. So, for example, if we went ahead and overloaded the output operator, right, the, um, the insertion operator for fractions, it means something like this fraction my frac. Well, actually, I closed it, didn't I? Okay, so fraction my frac. I'll close it again. Right? Let's say it's one half. And then F out my frac, right? So I want to send my fraction, i.e. my frac, to my file called, well, myfile.txt, followed by an end out. And then I close the file. Where would that go? Would that go to the file? Right? If I had it like this? No, we go to the screen. So that would be wrong. Right? Because obviously the client here wants to send to the file, to the file right? Because they're using an instance of that. So this is wrong. So the key here, or the key insight rather, if we change. Fraction print with no parameters, right? So it basically it uses C out right in there, right? If we change that to fraction print, bless you, taking a single parameter, in particular an O stream reference. 
We can do something like this. So now we don't just print out any old output string, we print the argument. So if we changed fraction.print with no parameters to fraction print with a single parameter, namely an OStream reference, uh, we can send to the print function an object of type OStream, in particular OS, right? Right there. And that will print not the Cout, but to the more general parameter OS. So whatever instance you send it. In fact, how can I print, how can I do this with this function? Any guesses? Can I do this? Just, just to show you an example. So this would be the same. That would be wrong as well. So I can put in there Cout, right? Which actually would be the same thing as this one, if I change it to have one argument. So everyone ever see that? So we need to do this still, though. We need to change the print. Okay, so lastly, we return uh, the OS stream, right? Because that's our, our return type here. So how do I do that? How do I return the OS stream? Any volunteers? What's the last statement of this function? So we don't have to return something, right? So we want to use return keyword. Well, what value? What's the value we want to return there? So it says we return an OStream reference. Do we have access to an OStream reference anywhere? Anyone see an OStream reference on the board we can use? Yes. OS. OS, good. Thanks. Right, that's it. Great that we have to change this function though. Alright, so let's take a look how we can use this. So suppose we added this to our, our fraction uh, class definition. So how would you go about using the insertion operator for fractions? So using the insertion operator with fractions And output streams. So here's one example. Fraction fract. Let's say three fourths. And now I want to send to standard output, I can do that. And maybe I can give it an end line as well. 
Alright, so that's back with what we want. So we have that now. We can even say the fraction is. Funny enough, you could also do something like this as well. These two are the same. Cout insert fract, insert Adele, operator insertion, followed by the parameters or arguments rather Cout and fract, followed by an insertion operator Adele. So this is a function call. So you can write that if you want. It's not very advantageous to do that because you overloaded the insertion operator, but as well call it like an operator, right? But you can do that if you want. Any questions on that? No? All right, let's do the insertion operator. Extraction operator, rather. So we've done the insertion operator. Oh, by the way, you can do this as well. And that will work fine now. Granted, we have to rewrite the, the print, though, but that's not hard to do. So we can send it to the output, the file output screen. We can send it to standard output. So this one goes to the file. This one goes to the screen. OK. You know what's hot in here? I'm dying. I still have the heat on. I know it's like that's right. Ah, OK. All right, extraction operator. For fractions and input streams. So just like CAP is an instance of a or is an object of O stream, CN is an object of I, I stream. Um, F out, I have an abort, was an instance of OF stream. Or an object of OF stream. Um, okay, so for overloading the extraction operator, we'll also be a friend function. Mm -hmm. 
All right, it's going to look as follows. It's going to look very similar, actually. Operator extraction, so the other way around. Instead of an I stream, it's take, instead of an O stream, it's going to take an I stream reference. We'll call it IS. And it's going to take a fraction again. We'll call it F. But what's one major difference you need here? Does anyone, anyone see it? Do I want f passed by call by value or call by preference? Who says call by value? Who says call by reference? Why? Cool. Anyone else say call by reference? What's going to happen after this call? So when you have two integers, for if you have a single integer, let's say mu. And you want to input a value to num from the keyboard, right? You say cn extract num. And let's say you initialize num to 5, right? And then you output in here. If I enter, suppose I enter 6, what would this print? 6, right? Better print 6, right? So the value of new, right, this simple example, I'll put a box right in, changed by calling the extraction operation. So the value changed. If it didn't change, you'd have 5 here, right, instead of 6. So the value of f, right, the fraction being passed to this function, is going to change as a result of the operation. So we want that parameter to change. How can we have a parameter change after the call? Pass it by reference, right? So that one has to be a reference. So you want to modify the state of the fraction that's passed in as an argument. And likewise, we're going to do return value of iStream reference here. Same deal, so we can do operator chaining, right, like we do with the uh, insertion operator, we also do with the extraction operator. All right, so we have a read function for fractions. We can't use that one as it is because it would always retrieve the input from CN. So, for example, if we wanted to retrieve the fraction from a file, uh, we would have to, well, that wouldn't be correct, rather. So if we change... If we change fraction read to fraction read with a parameter, namely an I stream, an input stream reference, we do the following f dot read. Is and return is. 
So it looks very similar. Okay, so using So now we can answer, uh, extract uh, a fraction from standard output, and we can we can also then extract the integer from standard output. Uh, we can go ahead and extract extract the integer from a file uh, if we use an IF stream. It's very similar to uh, the case with the OF stream I did with the uh, in a previous example. Any questions on that so far? Yes? Yeah, um, one thing I think I saw that you wrote last time was like in your actual like, uh, print memory function, mm -hmm. your memory function, you had to change the. Yeah, we'll do that now. Okay. Yeah, let's do that now. Okay, um, defining, let's change, let's say change. Yeah, let's do that. Changing the read, the fraction, read. Number function. Okay, so it's gonna look something like this. So the name of the function is fraction scope to read. It returns uh, void, right? It's a void function. And so far, it has no parameters, right? So let's add one. We're going to add an iStream reference. So read it from a iStream, a given iStream. Reference is, right? All right, so does anyone want to volunteer to give me the change? So how do we write the definition of that function? We had a CI statement before this. You might want to remove that now, right? Because you don't know we'll be communicating with, with the standard output, right? Um, you can keep it there too, it's fine. So yeah, it's gonna look like IS insert what? New, right? Right, insert a numerator. Ignore, right, the next character if you're using a slash. So is dot ignore. Followed by is insert then. Um, and lastly, you need to assert assert then uh, does not equal zero. 
So it looks like the same thing, except every occurrence of CN is now replaced with IS. It's a very simple change. In fact, you can keep both of them. So if you read about um, function overloading, which is actually very similar to operator overloading that we did earlier in the quarter, you can actually overload the read operation, uh, the read function rather. So what that means is that you can save yourself from changing all your previous code uh, because no, your, your regular read function won't work anymore, right? Because you have the one that's having no parameters. So you can actually keep that one. And in fact, if you want, uh, you can fairly simplify the definition of that one given that you have the one taking a single uh, parameter. So function, um, function overloading is basically just having the same name, right, the same function name, except with different parameters. So we can keep our old one, if you like. So fraction read. So you can have another one read with no parameters. By the way, it would be an error to have um, two fraction reads with the same parameter. That would be an error. So it would be the same function. So these are two different functions, even though they have the same name. So depending uh, on which one you use, right, the client uses me different versions of them. Uh, maybe the client will use one with one parameter. Maybe the client will use one without a parameter. You have something like this. So what would be the definition here? So let's say I really want to simplify things. Given that I have that function definition there, what would be the definition of, the, of our original read function? Yes? You could just say read in SOS, or S, uh, not OS, uh, SCL. That's yeah, but CN. CN, right. So. <laughs> so that says read this fraction from CN. CN is an object of type iStream. So that matches. So now you get the original way. So you just need a little more flexible. Look good? Cool. Any questions on the end? Okay, so um, there is, right, the homework is on Carmen. It's been up there since Thursday, I guess, so it's due on Thursday as well. Um, oh, by the way, the, the, the read and the print, the print is going to look a lot similar to this. It's going to look very similar to read. So you need to change the print. Uh, so you're to overload the insertion operator, which you can basically just copy and paste the code I have here on the board. Um, the insertion operator, the extraction operator, and you have to do the plus. And have a little program to um, just to test them out. It's a pretty quick assignment. You want, if you want, you can copy um, the code from your old your old homework. If you want to copy a directory, like if you have your um, your code in an entire directory, let's say if you had your code in, um, let's say, homework underscore fract. Let's say this is your homework directory. You can use a copy command called cp if you're on sp sun. You have to give it a minus r flag though. 
So you say CP-R, R stands for recursive. So what it does is that the copy program is going to recursively descend into this directory, and you would have the, the target directory. So let's say homework underscore op or something. So this would be the source, this would be the target. If there's any questions on doing that, um, let me know. Otherwise, you can just modify your original one. That's fine, too. So it's up to you. So if you want to keep your old one, that's fine. If you want to go ahead and modify the original and submit that, that's fine, too. Cool. Okay, so that's online in Carmen. Yes? Um, we're going to talk about the uh, it's on the homework handout. I guess I can pull it up right now. Because I start. Here we go. I guess it'd help if I pull down the screen here. Okay. All right. So yes, 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 yes. Let's see content. I'm going to save the desktop so we can all see it better. All right. Can I zoom in here? Yes. All right, so the problem is to overload the following operations for either the fraction class or the estate class. So we already did fraction in this course, so you can just do it for that one. All right, so you must overload the insertion operator, the extraction operator, and operator plus. Uh, the insertion will be a non-member function. The extraction operator will be a non-member function as well. They'll both be friend functions. All right, so the addition operator uh, will be a member function. And the reason that needs to be that way is so you can write lovely things like Fraction F, fraction G, fraction, this is what I had on the board earlier. H is assigned F plus G. So in order to have this work this way, um, add or rather, rather the plus operator plus needs to be a member function of class fraction. And by the way, it looks like a lot like F dot add G, right? So if you did it this way, it's going to be really easy to translate it. All you need to do is really replace right, the function name with the operator. 
Okay. So, um, all right, initial operator will be bless you, a member function. The implementation of the addition operator must include a call to the add member function. So if we did it with the, um, the way I had it in the solution, keep your add member function and just write another operator plus. So your operator plus will just call the add function. So it just makes it a little harder, I guess. Everyone clear with that? So you'll have both an add and an operator plus. So note, you must alter the print and read functions to accomplish the above tasks. You may also overload them as I did in the board. The prototypes, um, that means decorations. So the decorations of these operators for class fraction are listed below, which is basically the next page. All right, and notice the syntax here. Uh, so you use the keyword friend. And this is exactly what I had on the board. Note that you must make this one a reference. Otherwise, when you're testing your programs, it's not going to work. That's a common error. Actually, I made it myself, actually. Um, I was wondering why it's not working, and the reason is you don't want to pass my reference there. Okay, to answer your question, here's the decoration of the operator plus. It looks exactly like the ad, except that it's called operator plus. And the usual submission. So your .h, your .cc, then just a driver program to test it. And if you want, you can just alter what you had previously. So it should be a very quick and dirty assignment. So. And if you want to copy the solution, you can do that too. If that will be easier. That will be fine. If you want to, you know, just, I don't want to, like, give you the files for the solution. Uh, if you copy and paste from PDFs, it doesn't work really well. So I'd suggest just, like, rewriting it. So if you want to do it that way. All right, any questions? Okay, so I wanted to quickly go over the uh, quiz that was uh, due today. <coughs> so this is the design quiz. So up to now, I've been basically giving you the declarations of the classes. Um, and, you know, you would sort of declare the member functions for the class. Let's see. Oh, I can um, so for this for this quiz, I wanted to see if you can design your own class. So I give you a problem statement, and um, you're to design or declare uh, the corresponding class for that. So okay, so let's quizzes. Ah, can I preview this thing? Ah, finally, preview. Sorry. Yes. Okay, so there's only one question. <coughs> so I'll make this a little bigger, hopefully. Harder. Or just there we go. Alright, in computer science, a stack is a user-defined data type or a class. You can think of it that way in our terms, based on the principle of last in, first out, uh, commonly known as LIFO. Essentially, a stack is a container of items, some items, maybe a, using a type def, right? And it has two basic operations, push and pop. Push adds a given item to the top of the stack, leaving previous items below it. Pop removes and returns the current top item of the stack. Um, yeah, right. Well, it just removes it, really. It doesn't have to return it. 
So if you think of uh, cafeteria trays in a cafeteria line, usually the trays are like in some kind of like spring mechanism, right? You take one out and the next one comes up. That's, what, that's kind of like a stack. It's a stack of cafeteria trays, right? So it's last in, first out. The last cafeteria tray to go inside the spring mechanism is the one that comes out first. Hopefully it's clean. So, so that's um, one example of a stack. Another example of a stack that's uh, of importance to us particularly is something called the activation, um, actually the runtime stack. So we've actually been using stacks all along. Actually, the compiler has been using it for this, basically. Uh, so when you, every time you call a function in C++, information about that function gets placed on something called a runtime stack. And other things get put on the stack, but the most important thing that gets put on this, placed on the stack is the return address. So in programs, there's something called a program counter. And like I said in the beginning, I was probably the first class, or maybe the second class of the, of the quarter, um, the, revolu the revolution with the von Neumann uh, architecture is that both data and programs are, are stored in main memory, right? So there's something called a program counter that basically keeps track of where in memory your program is executing. So there are instructions corresponding to your program that are stored in main memory, and there is a program counter which counts like where in memory, or indicates where in memory the program is. So on this uh, runtime stack, when you run your programs, every time a function is called, starting with main, the return address, or the value of the program counter at that point, of where the function call was made is stored. So that way, when your function ends, uh, it knows where to go back to continue executing your program. Right? So when you call a function and control returns from that function, control never returns to like the beginning of the function unless you call it from there. But it returns to where the function was called. And this goes on for every function call, right? If function A calls function B, and function B calls function C, they all return to the same place that they left off. So a function call pushes information about the function on the stack, and a function end, where the function um, ceases to execute, is a pop from the stack. I'll post a Wikipedia, a Wikipedia article about this uh, later today. We can just look it up on Wikipedia, so... All right, so there's a cafeteria metaphor. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Only a top is visible. So if you think about the cafeteria trays, you only can see the top tray. So if you want to see what's on the third plate from the bottom, you need to pop the first two. So although push and pop are the only essential operations that can be performed in the stack, yeah, so I guess, I guess you can have pop return like the topmost item. Uh, there are often auxiliary operations, such as finding the number of items contained in the stack without modifying the contents of the stack or the order in which they appear, and returning the top item to the stack again without modifying the stack. So your goal was to write a C++ class declaration that modeled the stack, right? So let's see how we could have done that. And let's go through this really quickly, because I am like absolutely dying up here. I can only like, barely talk. Uh, all right. All right, so I post this um, solution requirement, so you're free to look at it, and since we're running out of time, I'm just going to quickly go through it. In fact, uh, heck with it, I'm just going to go with it on the 
the screen here because I'm absolutely dying. I like to go through it incrementally and write it in the board and stuff, but we will not do that today. So I'll just talk about some like um, key aspects of it and move on from there. What is it, snaps or? Maybe we'll write it on the board. Ah, <coughs> oh, gorgeous. Okay, let's see. Quizzes. Uh, solution to quiz. All right, here it is. Any day now. Ah, finally. Save that. Okay, stack the H. Zoom in. Okay, can everyone see that? Good. Okay, so here's my stack.h file. Um, I have these pre-compiler directives here. This is common uh, idiom with C++ because depending on, on your compilation command, it could be possible that you multiply include uh, the declarations of classes. So in fact, if you have like one program that's pound including stack.h, and another one that's concluding stack.h, and you compile them together, the compiler will complain that you have multiple declarations of stack of the stack class. So this little pre-compiler directive says that if you haven't defined stack yet, go ahead and define it. So that's what that pre-compiler directive uh, means. I'm not going to test you on that, so just know what it is um, in the end. And if here just says that's the end of the conditional statement, it's not C++, right? It's a pre-compiler directive. It's a message to the linker. I'm sure everyone's familiar with the linker, right? You've gotten nice error messages right now. Okay, so here I have a type def. So I want the stack to be used with all sorts of data items. Uh, so I use a type def for that. So if you want to use this to have a stack of double or a stack of fractions, uh, you can just change the int here to that appropriate type. What's one problem with that, though? Have we discussed this before? I think so, right? What if I wanted a stack of integers and fractions simultaneously in the same program? That would be a problem, right? Because I would need to change this to either int or a fraction. Uh, so for that, there's something called uh, templates, which we won't get into. But you're, feel free to look into that if you like. And I can give you some directions. So there's something called C++ templates that have you have, like, uh, different kinds of stacks. One stack for integers, one stack for doubles, one stack for fractions, so on and so forth. Okay, uh, the first thing I have here is something called a constant, right? We all know about those. But what's new here is that there's a, another keyword here called static. So we're dealing with static arrays, right, which are bounded arrays. 
and they have maximum and actual sizes. And so I said that the maximum size of my stack is 100 elements. It's not a big stack, but you need some maximum size because the way I'm modeling the stack is with an array, with a, a static array. Uh, the static keyword and the word static arrays are not really related. So static keyword here denotes that this constant, max size, right, which is a lot like the ones we've seen previously, is to only be um, declared once for every object of the stack. So actually, this max size constant is not like a member data. It's actually a class data. So there's one um, declaration of max size for every object of type stack. So all you need is one, right? For all my stacks, they're all going to have a max size of 100. So I only have one of those. Um, you could Now, it is possible to leave this static keyword out, but you'll have in every stack object a place in memory for that constant. It's just a waste of space. Four bytes being wasted. So, so no matter how many stack objects you have, there's only one, right? Four byte integer that's constant <laughs> called max size here. And that's what the static keyword does. Any questions on that one? I'm going to test you on that as well. But just know what that is. Okay, so for my private section, I had a, um, an array called values of type item, right? Which corresponds to the type def up here. And it's of max size. And like any array, right, you have a maximum size and actual size. And so for that, for the actual size, I have a member data uh, called invalid, which you probably set to zero, right, in the constructor. So, but you just need a declaration for this. I didn't need the whole definition, so. All right, so um, actually the default constructor, I didn't want to use the built-in one because actually I do want to set this to zero. So basically that default constructor would only do that, so that's a zero. So it properly initializes the stack. So an initial stack would be an empty one, so it would have zero valid elements, right, in the stack, so that would be set to zero. Okay, and then basically I had um, two member functions here for pushing and popping. So there's a push member function, right, the push item on the stack. Um, I had a pop function. And in fact, you could, you know, you could make this actually um, an item return type here if you wanted to. Um, I didn't. I have a top function down here. So this pops the last value pushed onto the stack. does not affect the stack if it's empty. So that's important. And this one, for the push, you have to make sure right, that um, there's room in the stack as well. But that's more of an implementation issue. That has nothing to do actually with the declaration of the class. So if I ask you to define this class, right, to write the stack.cc file, then you'd have to worry about stuff like that. Okay, and then I chose, and then there's a couple different ways to do this. I chose to have a top item, right, a top member function that returns the topmost item. So that, and this picture here, uh, which I erased, but that'll just be the top item of the stack. And I had another convenience function here. Uh, you could also have a size one if you wanted to. I just had one called is empty, and it's a boolean function that returns true if and only if there are no elements in the stack. So that was just my design. Um, you may have done yours differently, and there are other correct, correct design decisions to go about this as well. Yes. We just assumed an automatic default constructor. It depends on how you implemented your private data. Yeah, I mean, I guess since we had no idea how these, this was going to be used since we weren't actually. Ah. Yeah, how would you use this? It's a good question, yeah. And you just said to, to declare it. So I guess right. I, just, I didn't know that you would want to declare it with zero items. So I just I didn't. Um, well, if you have a member data like this for actual size, 
Now remember that the default um, value for integers is actually just garbage, right. right? So you have a garbage value here. So you want to make sure that's zero. Um, so yeah, so one one exercise to do here actually in doing this quiz was actually write like a miniature driver file just to test to see how it would work. And I have that up here as well. I'll show you that really quickly. So one way to go about this quiz was to write like a main a main program and just see like well how would I use a stack class right? What sort of things would I want to do with it? So here's a, an example driver file. So here I declare a stack. So here is an empty stack. So it's a lot like the fraction situation, right? Where you have a numerator and denominator with initial values, and you have to make sure that the denominator is not zero. So here, number of valid elements in the stack is zero. Um, and the way I can tell that is by calling the isEmpty function. So this one would say, so right now this should work, right? So isEmpty should be true. And you can imagine that the definition of that function is that, you know, return n valid equals zero. If that's true, right, then it's empty. Otherwise, it's false. All right, and here are some instances of the push, right? Member function, so I can push, let's say, 5 here because it's a stack of integers. Push negative 1, push 432, and so on and so forth. So I hear, you know, here I'm asking, well, is the stack empty? And it better not be here. Uh, it's, otherwise, it's not empty, and that should be the case since I push these elements. This is testing out the functionality of the stack. All right, and here's a call to the top element, mystack.top. That returns the top element. I can pop that top element, and then this should print the next element. So one thing you could have done is just wrote this main function like this, and then go back and then fill in the details. Answer your question? Yeah, it just seems like, I mean... It didn't seem like it was. It didn't seem obvious that we had to do that based on the, the assignment that you, that you had written. It just seemed like you didn't. You didn't say that it had to be empty necessarily at first. You could have just no. assumed it was garbage. And, um, you, know, it, you can't. The problem with garbage though is you can't test for it. So if you would, all right. So if you said that initial stack has five elements and you happen to push five elements in your constructor. That would be fun. I mean, but the whole point is that you haven't even de defined that yet. You're just, I mean, you haven't even defined the default constructor. No, you declared it. Right. So, I mean, if you're not even going to define it anyways, what is it? Um, you should you should define it because you can't use the default, the one that's given to you, the right. automatic one. Right. Yeah, so you want to make sure you override the default constructor. Any other questions? No? Okay. I'll see you guys on Thursday. And um, if you have any questions about the homework, let me know.